1: You know, you can't be afraid. You know, fear gets in the way of so many of us, so many oftentimes, and you just got to push that aside and be like, no, not today. We're going to face this.
2: Sitting across from me today is a very good friend, um, a colleague in many similar pursuits. His name is Christopher Spitzmiller. I've known Christopher for how many years, Christopher? About six or seven years, I think. Six or seven years. We're both interested in the following. We're both interested in backyard animal husbandry. We both have lots and lots of different kinds of fowl, birds, chickens, geese, uh, peacocks, Uh, We love gardens, we love all kinds of landscaping, we love interior design and decoration, and we love uh, many, many other things like cooking and entertaining and building. So we've uh, our our paths cross in many different in different ways. and uh, and it's so nice to have you here at my farm today. Uh, I made Christopher drive all the way down from his farm in Millbrook, New York because um, I thought it would be nice to interview him right here in situ. But um, were you okay? Oh, yeah. oh good. Yeah. Christopher gets up early. And he stays up late, and he's a hard, <laughs> hard worker. And he is, as I said in the introduction to his beautiful book, which is called "A Year at Clove Brook Farm." I, I think the best adjective to use for Christopher is industrious, because he is industrious in many different fields. So I want to get down to the to the basics here. I want to know about your education. I want to know when you first got interested in your big profession, which is, I think, your main profession, which is uh, pottery and the making of some of America's most beautiful lamps that are on tables, in houses everywhere, and even in the White House. So uh,
1: how did you start? So I grew up in East Aurora, New York, which is this little country town outside of Buffalo, where Fisher-Price toys are made and Albert Hubbard had his uh, movement of arts and crafts work. And I love the idea of making something that could enrich your life in some way, that a bowl or something that could put your change in or an hors d'oeuvre could be served from it. I I love that. Um, But I thought that I would have a normal job like everybody else in my family were bankers and lawyers. My grandfather had his own business and I always aspired to have my own business. Which was what? What was your grandfather's? He was in the aerospace business. He did pneumatic um, breathing systems for the Alvin, that found the Titanic, and then in the end, he did the whole breathing system for the space shuttle, so that was a big thing. Wow, I didn't know
2: that. And Buffalo. And Buffalo. And, you know, my mother's family was also in Buffalo. That's right. And my grandfather was, uh, he was an artist, Mm -hmm. he uh, was a decorative steel worker, Mm -hmm. and he made the big, beautiful decorative steel gates for many of the Catholic churches in Buffalo. He was honored when he was ninety-nine years old by the by his union for his artistry. And um and I got I used to visit Buffalo a lot and I, I did not know about some of these other businesses, but it has been a that was a very industrial city. It was the
1: biggest industrial city of, of I think New York State forever. And a lot of it was built at the turn of the century, so there's really great architecture there and these big, vast houses, and people complain about the snow there, and I'm like, it's just part of the deal. You get six or eight inches, and you go to work, and you don't let it slow you down, and the planes take off at the airport, and it's life. So you went to school,
2: uh, grammar school in so Buffalo? So I went to school
1: in grammar school in Buffalo, and then I went to boarding school in New Hampshire. I went to a, a little boarding school called Proctor Academy, and then after that, I went to St. Lawrence University, way up in New York State, and they had a ceramics program, and they would give me a 4.0 and let me do sort of whatever I wanted. And I wanted to go to Rhode Island School of Design. I had taken the summer program there, and they offered for me to go. And my mom was determined for me, the dyslexic in me, to get a <laughs> liberal arts degree. She was, just stay there, and I'll pay for you to go to graduate school wherever you wanted. And I figured I could go back to Rhode Island School of Design as what was called a visiting student. So I went back there for my senior fall, and it was a real kick you know, and it was they assigned the same projects year after year. And they also told us if you can do anything else, you probably should think about it because really? it's a hard career to make a make a go out of. So in, in pottery. In pottery, yeah.
2: Well, you've done extremely well. Christopher has I just visited the other day, um, because I really wanted to see what he was really up to in his in his lamp business. Um, I went and visited his atelier, which is on thirty fifth. Thirty fifth. And it is the penthouse in an industrial building away uh, on the west side of, of Manhattan. And I was very impressed. You have the nicest group of people working up there. Thank you. Uh, nice artists. They're all artists because they are all working very diligently on the perfection that you exemplify in your lamp bases. Christopher makes lamp bases on which you put lamp shade, and these are table lamps primarily. You do some floor lamps, I guess. Mm-hmm. But describe your lamps.
1: So they're Asian in influence. I find shapes all over, mostly at... I'd auction websites and stuff. And I'll, I'll take a photograph or I'll buy something and I'll make a sketch of it because I believe it's our job as product designers to take something and make it our own in some way, to not just repeat what is out there. I think that's our big obligation. And all those different jobs that you see being done, I taught myself. I taught myself how to turn the wooden bases, how to do the water gilding. And then eventually I could afford to have different people in the different parts of it. And so we have three potters who work, working the molds and I sit down and make about eight lamps when I start, and I pick out the best one, and we use that one. Is the one that goes into a mold, and we produce out of there. Uh-oh. How often do you uh, make a new shape? About, I'd say about like maybe one or two a month. Wow! You know, and how many lamps do you have in your catalog now? It's an awful lot in there that we offer, and we we discontinue things occasionally, but mostly if I make them, they sell. Thank God, so I'm happy with that. And your your customer base is. It's mostly decorators. We sell through to stores, and we have stores all over—from Los Angeles to Palm Springs to Boston and Dallas and everywhere in between.
2: I was uh, just in a store in New York uh, in the '70s. Krb. Krb. If you haven't been to this store, it's a very fun and colorful uh, decorating store. You go there for your lamps. You go there for your everything. tabletop. You go there for yeah, for per- per- pretty much everything. It is a beautiful, and you have a whole wall of your work. <laughs> It was very impressive. And um, and I hadn't seen some of those lamps before. Uh, she had just gotten a shipment in and I, she just opened, right?
1: Well, she so, was open before she had, she's moved around town. She was on 79th Street and then she was on 74th Street and now she's right on Lexington. And she was literally around the block on 74th, but there's a whole new wave of people who were like, oh, I had no idea you were here. And Kate's the new sort of only game in town. She's got a great Color sense and a great style sense. Yeah, and, I was
2: I was very impressed with the colorful. Yeah, I can't go in there the without
1: store. coming home with something. I have to be very disciplined about. Like, yeah, okay, I wanted to buy
2: <laughs> several glass things in there, and I cut my I kept my yeah. wallet shut for for now. I'm, I'm sure I'll go back, but a beautiful store. Uh, but I love seeing your lamps all in one place too, because uh, when I visited your studio, I got to see a whole lot of different sized and shaped bases. Um, and these, as I said, are table lamps for the most part, with beautiful, beautiful um, wooden or metal bases, and um, and then uh, and beautiful metal um, metal. What do you call the tops of the lamps?
1: Clusters. It's a double cluster, cluster. There that has two lights, so you can have right. one on or both of them on. Right. And then, do you also design the finials? We don't. It with the finials are sort of. A, I picked it out. It's a ball finial that you have to be careful when you take it on and off because it's kind of like a little bomb. So you got to be like, okay, I've got it in my hand now. It oh, can't fall.
2: Why? Well, it's a pottery ball.
1: It's brass, and oh, it's, it's a brass. heavy brass ball.
2: Oh, okay, but I I love finials, and I've always collected them for lamps. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for the old old finials that you can find sometimes. But um, but see, here I am building Christopher's business. I want you to do more finials. <laughs> Thank
1: you. I want you to do more. Thank you. You
2: should do birds, and you know you should. You should do some, uh, you know, fantastic chicken finials. I'd buy some of those. Yeah. You know, pretty pottery. You could you could make molds out of, in your shop right there.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, so maybe he's maybe he's going to go making making some finials, but you're doing so many other things. Christopher's now not only uh, maintaining this very lively business. Uh, who manufactures your your lamps in quantity for the marketplace?
1: So we do them through Visual Comfort. They're my sort of business partner in it. And you know, I realized that we got the main living room and the library and the main bedroom, so there were sort of. Extra bedrooms and stuff that didn't always get my lamps in it. Or people who were just starting out. I wanted to be more available. And Visual Comfort does a very good job of making them more accessible more to everybody. affordable. And more affordable. Yeah.
2: So a basic lamp through Visual Comfort would be about how
1: much? $1,200. Uh-huh. For a lamp. Mm-hmm. And then your custom-made lamps are... About twenty-five to thirty-five hundred dollars a piece, uh-huh. oh. without the shade. With no, the shade comes with it. A paper shade oh, it comes does. with it. Paper shade. If you want to get a fancier shade, which I know you're a fan of, then that's yeah. another. Oh, I love fancy thing. shades,
2: but it's getting harder and harder to find uh, shade makers. Um, I have one friend who makes beautiful shades and her, her business is called Shades of the Midnight Sun uh-huh. and uh, she has a small workshop on the Hudson River um, and she's in Bronxville. but to go to, and visit her and see the shapes of the the metal shapes that she designs for the lamps, it's very complicated and they have to be the right size and the right height and the right width for the bases like your beautiful your beautiful um, pottery bases. So it's, it's lamps are hard. <laughs> And that's well, why I'm, I'm here to make
1: it easy. But that's why you're <laughs> successful because you make it easy. Well, easier. that's the that's the thing is when I started, I was making plates and dishes, and I sort of steered away from that. Richard Keith Langham came to me at Meekox Gardens that first summer that I was up there when I started. And he's like, I need you to make these. And in the very beginning, I just made him the vase, and Keith would have a base made for it and have it electrified. And that's when I learned how to do those different parts of it of turning the base foot so fit just right. so and the best of everything so
2: yeah. well they're beautiful and uh I watched the water gilding the other day at your at your atelier and it was so pretty to to see that and a very pretty girl is sitting in a little room all by herself just happily you know
1: she just came along like uh, that's people ask of like how do you get people to help you and she has a basic pottery experience but really not enough to be a potter but I thought she can be a gilder we'll teach her how to gild and we've taught her what she needs to know cuz you can't just Largely hire a Gilder. They're kind of hard people to find out there. But if you get a person who's got a good attitude and basic hand skills, you can teach them anything, which I'm a big fan well, of. Well, I'm going to send
2: Alexis Stewart here because <laughs> Alexis is busy raising her kids right now. But she was a fantastic Gilder. Mm-hmm. She took it up as a hobby, um, I guess, during during college. And, uh, and I remember I remember building a room for her at East Hampton that was air free, no current, no oh. air current, completely still room because that's what you really have to have, right? Can't have any drafts; mm-hmm. it'll blow the gold gold leaf around. But um, I think I'll suggest to her that she come <laughs> work for Christopher Spitz Miller.
3: Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. Even before you do, every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March twentieth at seven PM Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Twenty twenty-five qx80 coming this summer. So the the lamp business is thriving, and you spend how many how much.
2: How much time with the elapsed during the
1: week? I'm in the city three to four days a week, and then I'm up in Millbrook the rest of the time. Up in Millbrook, we have a studio that makes plates and dishes and accessory pieces up there. Um,
2: oh, and I've been the lucky
1: recipient of a
2: beautiful set of pinkish, pinkish painted plates. The which I love. The marble, yeah. And I use that in Maine, at my, at my table in Maine, because the table is pink granite, and it look, the, just, just looks so perfect there. And uh, and how many people are working in that studio?
1: Two right now work up there. Uh-huh.
2: And they have the molds, they have the the kilns, they have everything you're making.
1: Yeah, we have a silhouette of the bottom part of the plate, and then we roll a slab out and attach it to the mold. And then the lever comes down and cuts back the, the foot and stuff. And then the plate dries on the mold, and we take it off. And When we put on one coat of the white all over it and then we splash the color on and move it around, get the right amount of movement in it and stop. Or then we have a whole series of dahlias that I've grown at the farm. My rule about plates up there is I have to grow the flower in order for it to get on the plate. We have a group of peony plates, a group of sweet pea plates and done some mushrooms. And then I collaborate with friends like my friend Kathy Graham has some um, woodland Plates that we do with her and Marion McAvoy, so I yeah, like very to do pretty. That.
2: Yes, and I like your collaborations too, uh, not only on the plates but also uh, on your lamps. You're using, you're working with one of the best, best, best uh, porcelain flower makers in the whole. They're porcelain, right? Her yes, flowers, the most beautiful porcelain flowers you have ever seen. This is museum quality stuff, and. um, And she is uh, just exquisite. How did you...
1: Claire Potter, who's been a friend of mine now for quite a long time. And, you know, she... And her name is Claire uh, Claire Potter. Potter. And so when we do things together, it's called Potter Spitzmiller, which is a nice little anagram to have. And we'll make either vases or lamp parts, and I'll give Claire the wet... Uh, vase and Claire attaches sweet peas or hellebores or whatever gets her fancy, and she'll ask me sometimes, "What do you think should be on here?" And I'm like, "That's your business. I don't, I don't get into that." So you, she, you gotta, she does,
2: she does, she does the day.
1: picking of the thing. I mean, the client has something to do with it. The clients could say, "I like sweet peas." Or I, I like have this, looked so.
2: at Claire Potter's fingers, and they are so delicate, and that she makes these flowers uh, that she fixes to your lamps, and and she also just just does individual flowers for. Uh, for her artwork. Uh, that that are display flowers and you put them you know down the center of the table or something. These are exquisite things. So and now because of Christopher and because of people like Claire Potter, I have been looking online on Instagram. I somehow got into the algorithm of pottery.
1: She and sends me all these pottery I, things. I, I do. Like I send gone them down to a Christopher. <laughs> hole, you know, and I get them at, at weird times, and I'm like, oh gosh, she's not asleep. She. <laughs> I'm, I'm at three o'clock
2: in the morning looking at pottery <laughs> being made. No, no, but it's so interesting. Interesting. Um, really, I, is. I, I love the I love the techniques. But what, what I saw at your studio is the most interesting. Really, um, those heavily textured um, lamp bases that you're making are so exquisite, so sharp. Everything so yeah. There's beautiful. a
1: crispness that I like to to have in them, which is sort of my version of, of perfection. The things aren't perfect because they're handmade, but the lines are really crisp and the bases are perfect, and it all sort of comes together and gives you gives, gives you a really good look.
2: But I did give you an indication that Christopher is multifaceted. He's not just a lamp base maker or a lamp maker. He is also uh, an interior designer. You did you ever work for Albert Hadley? Or is he just, no, he your just a idol? No, he a just a really
1: good friend and mentor and was really very inspirational. And a was a good client. of ordered lots of my lamps and would say, I want you to do this for this person and that for that person. And a so he got of a lot of young talent like myself and pushed us forward. Kevin worked there. Oh the, yeah, the Kevin, Kevin
2: Sharkey loved working for Albert Hadley. He idolized him.
1: Everybody did. You can't find anybody who says anything bad about Albert Hadley. He was I met just, him a
2: few times because he oh. lived in Fairfield. He loved
1: you. You oh. know, he had those those bumper stickers made, the Martha for President oh. bumper stickers. <laughs> he thought you were the cat's meow oh. in a lot of ways. Well, he so. was he was
2: a charming and very talented man. And Sister Parish, he worked Parish yeah. Hadley. Um, did you ever meet Sister Parish? I was
1: gone by the time Sister was. I wasn't on <laughs> the scene, but by the time Sister Parish came around, so oh. I missed meeting her. No,
2: that's too bad. She was. She was something. She did a lot of houses up in Mount Desert Island in Maine yeah. for for um, some very illustrious citizens up there.
1: I've been and stayed at her house in Islesboro, and it's like she's alive, because everything is like in its right place, exactly. and she comes out at night, and Apple and her daughter Susan take really good care of it, and oh, now Liza nice. out there, so it's like a little little dream.
2: That's nice. But, um, but you love interior design.
1: I do. I love all kinds of juxtaposition of colors in rooms. I like to be the pop of color there, like in my own library, I have some marigold lamps with some light blue background in there so that we sort of jump out. that's what I like.
2: but um, but when you go through your rooms with when you travel with Christopher through his own beautiful house, which is a 18 what 1830 1830 federal kind of farmhouse uh, set in a set in a field in Millbrook, New York. Uh, with a pond and a pool and a pool house and a, a, a walled a garden, um, you think, oh my gosh, you know, this, this house. Uh, you're, but you're, you're surprised when you go inside because every object has a story.
1: It does. But first of all, the house wasn't like that in the beginning. It was falling down. There were big holes <laughs> but that's in the it. Best kind
2: of house there were to bats
1: buy. living in it. There were honeybees in there. There was all this stuff. It you sounds know, that like I Turkey to, Hill Road. I had to straighten out and I could only do it as my finances allowed and I would get so far and things like the recession would come along and I'd have to stop working. But, you know, it was like five or six years of hard expensive restoration, like new fireplaces and new bathrooms and new windows. Heating and heating and air conditioning. And, and Architectural Digest would call and say, oh, we want to photograph the house. And I'm like, well, if you want to photograph the new chimneys or flues I just put in, you're welcome to. But there's really nothing interesting to see here yet, so... The decoration part was sort of easy. That took about a year and a half. And now it's nice because all the projects are outside of the house, like gardens and building the barn and getting that all together. But what's right. nice
2: when you walk around your house, you say, oh, that comes from yeah. that auction. Yeah, That comes from the estate of so-and-so. Yeah. So who else? Who, what other designers? There's a, there's
1: a lot of Albert Hadley in the house. Every room has something of his in it. My desk in the living room was Keith Irvine's desk. There's... um there's there's pieces from Sister Parish. There's pieces from everybody, and there are the pieces from you. I like to have a collection of things that my friends have made or have been a part of their life at some point. It's sort of a little bit more meaningful to integrate them into your your house and have them be there. But you have your stuff in a lot of houses too, and most
2: uh, most impressive is that lamps got into the White House. Now, how did that happen?
1: I wrote well. It, it happened by I was an intern there in. 1994, I believe, when I moved to Washington, by chance, my roommate at the time was um, friends with the director of the White House Intern Program, and she, I was waffling around looking for a job, which wasn't appearing. She said, "Why don't you come be an intern?" And so I went to work for the Clintons, and I could see then how magnificent that house is and how incredible it was, and they made a big effort to move crafts from the Smithsonian over. So. Uh, a table in the executive office might have a Dale Chihuly sculpture on it or a Native American thing. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be incredible to make something for this house someday? And when the Clintons left, I made a lot of things for the house in Chappaqua and their house in Washington. And when the George Bushes moved in, I made some things for the upstairs of the White House for them. And then when the Obamas... Were elected I wrote Michael Smith a letter and said hey I'd like to make some some things yeah that. you can't wait there like See, that's I the talked thing. about if
2: industriousness you've got to is. reach
1: out and say I can do this can I help you with this you know you can't be afraid you know fear gets in the way of so many of us so many oftentimes and you just got to push that aside and be like no not today we're gonna face this and Michael wrote me right away and he came to my studio in the midst of that 2008 recession He showed me a picture of the Oval Office and my lamps at the end when I volunteered to make it I never thought that I would get such a prominent spot as that so Over I felt August. really really lucky and very thankful
2: uh, so do you do you have you thought about why you focused on
1: lamps it just seemed to be the thing you know it, it worked for me for a lot of years but I've I've started to make plates again and more accessory things and catch pots that you could put flowers in like we're we're doing we do some mirrors we do all kinds of different things anything for around the house but the the lamps are sort of like the main and bread and butter of of the business catch pots
2: um, yeah. And those cash pots? Yes. <laughs> but yeah. is that the way Americans say it? Catch pots?
1: That sort of is. I should I should or say. That better than I have, or do you make it for fun? Or do you
2: make it for fun? You say it for fun. A little
1: bit of tongue in cheek though. Yeah, I too. think it is.
2: So a, a cash pot is a is like a tall bowl in which you put a potted plant yeah. or um or flowers or so. I, I like I like that you call them catch pots.
1: <laughs> I like that. Because they are
2: catching yeah, stuff. Yeah, you just,
1: you catch the different okay. things.
2: But all of you out there, they're really cashpo. So Christopher, uh, before we leave the subject of your beautiful lamps, uh, what are the do's and don'ts? Uh, that you should pay attention to when choosing a lamp for a room.
1: you got to think where the lamp is going to be. Like if you're going to sit next to the lamp, you don't want to stare up into the the light fixture of it so that the shade is just high enough that you can get some light down on your reading but isn't too, too tall. Um, You want to think about how much light it puts off. My lamps have double clusters, so you can put two different bulbs in there or have double heights for it. You can see about a dimmer, which is a very important thing. Mm. I love a dimmer either on the cord switch or on the switch itself. And shades should come down how far onto a lamp? Depending on the height where it's going to sit. Like if it's going to go on your bureau, it can be up a little bit higher, but maybe you won't want the lamp to be so high. So maybe like a 16-inch lamp for up there in your library and stuff. Maybe you have like a 18-inch lamp in there. Oh. But you don't want to see, you don't want to see the middle part. Of you don't the want to round. see the metal part. You want the shade to hit right across thing. So it's kind of like, I think, you know, our electrical parts are very pretty and people like to see them, but I like it to just sort of be right resting at the shade height that where the cap height is. Okay. So it rests right across there is, I think, the proper height.
2: Right. So what are some emerging interior design trends that you, that you observe now?
1: I'm not a huge trend follower, but I'll tell you things that I admire. I admire people who can mix, like my friend Ashley Whitaker, who can mix a lot of different patterns together and have them look right. Everybody thinks you, you can only have like one pattern or one this, and Ashley will layer in three or four, or sometimes five different patterns in a room that she's creating. And what it's about is making somebody feel comfortable. Like that's what it is about more than anything. About even more important than the visual impact, it's that you can sit down on a sofa, put your feet up on. It and be like, "Huh, oh, I'm at home. I want to relax here. I want to spend some time in this room."
2: Who else? Who else do you do you admire in the world? Of in that sort of
1: bright sort of color way Miles Red is another favorite and Nicholson who worked for him. Like they're big in that sort of color sort of juxtaposition that I like so much where there's a contrast trim on all the different pieces, all that kind of like pizzazz and glamour. That's what I'm a fan of.
2: Now, how many years ago did you start writing? Because your book came out in what year, 2000 and...
1: 2000 and... It was during the pandemic. It was in March, so... 2020?
2: 21. Oh, 2021. And the book is called A Year at Clovebrook Farm. It is a big, heavy book published by Rizzoli. And there's a picture of Christopher with his two dogs on the front porch or is that the side porch?
1: That's the kitchen porch. So yeah, kitchen it's the side porch. Porch yeah, side porch. Essentially our front door.
2: Yeah. Uh with lots of topiary uh and beautifully potted plants. And, um, and how long did that book take you to write?
1: It took three years to for me to write it. You know, a lot of the publishers wanted me to do a book about the rooms that my lamps go into and about what they look like. And I wanted to do something more like you would do. You know, when your book, Entertaining, came Lifestyle. out, I was 11 years old, and I still remember <laughs> seeing it on my mother's kitchen table and looking at it and being like, this is the life that I want to live someday, you know, not <laughs> really? not exactly Martha's life, but that abundance of a table with a cornucopia of things and the copper pots everywhere. And there was just a lot of love and a lot of warmth. And like, this is a place that I said before, like, I want to spend some time. I want to hang out. I, I never imagined that one day I'd be spending Thanksgiving in, in her kitchen and cutting the turkey open with her one day, but it's just all sort of evolved that way. But I wanted to do well, we have a lot
2: of mutual friends. We, we have did, a huge we, amount yeah, of mutual like, friends. Yeah, so many. And our interests merge so, so, um, in so many different areas. So that that's really, I think, what happened. Um, and it's uh, and now you are happily married to Anthony Belomo. Uh When did you meet Anthony and
1: how? I met Anthony four years ago. A friend um, fixed us up, and she initially tried to fix him up with me, and he went home and Googled me and was like, no, he's far too fancy for me. I, I don't oh, want really? to go with him, no. He thought you were fancy? He thought I was fancy. <laughs> I clean the cat litter box myself, <laughs> and I do all of this really kind of gross things myself, which... It's part of having a farm, of you course. know. You have to roll your sleeves up and and do it all. Um, and so it was Thanksgiving, and Emily said to me, "Why don't you reach out to, to Anthony?" And I did, and we went and had a dinner at Flora Bar in New York, which was a favorite of both of ours. And um, sadly closed. Sadly closed. Sadly no longer. But, but I went s- to the Corner Bar. There's a new place. Coming oh, it up. was
2: so good, Corner Bar. That's his. Yeah, that's I'm Ignacio's. That. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. And they made me the omelet the other night. That thin, thin omelet mm. with the caviar it was very good so um so
1: you uh, so you we had our up. day yeah. and things went well and it just kept going and um i realized that he had become such an integral part in the farm and what was going on there. Like this morning, he was up early feeding the chickens even before I was out of bed. You know, he's really a very hard worker just like me. And I had never dated anybody like that who was more of a partner. And I remember when I did some of that online dating and stuff, I, I said to myself, I said in my description, I want I want to find somebody who I can build something with one day. And I ended up through a friend finding that partner mm-hmm. How nice. And uh, you are building, and
2: Anthony started it, I guess, the Orangerie. Uh, Talk about the orangery. So in
1: COVID, he worked from the farm, and he really loves spending most of his time up in Millbrook. He's He's an architect. He's a landscape architect. And a friend of ours bought this building at the far end of town, and it had been a landscaping business with a big greenhouse, and it's been divided in half, and Creel and Gow is on one part of it, and Anthony is on the other part. And the owner called me up and said, do you know of anybody who would like to take this over? And it didn't occur to me to think of asking Anthony, and I didn't. And thank God, Larry called another time and said, would you know of anybody maybe you or Anthony would like to do this and thankfully I said to Anthony do you want to do this and he said yes and he started a business selling topiary and flowers and all the things I would go to 28th street and get and drag up there on the weekends you can now get right in Millbrook Millbrook, yeah
2: and it is a beautiful shop so any of you who are driving around looking for an interesting place to visit uh certainly visit in in Millbrook Orangerie uh, and the whole town has become a little bit more booming and and, and boisterous. I, I like Millbrook now. It was very, very quiet for a long time.
1: It still is quiet in, in some ways, but there's a little bit of retail going on and we have a few good restaurants you can go to right yeah. now. So yeah, I like it a lot. And uh,
2: but I really like going to your to your shop and Creole and out which is right next door which has very extraordinary very high-end antiques and decorative objects so it's um, it's fun but but Anthony seems to be a really good partner for you yeah yeah he is really into it and uh what a nice thing to, to find how old are you I'm 51 he is 51 years old how is, how old is Anthony Anthony is 43. oh so he's a little younger but not not that much um and the name
1: orangerie. Came from, you know, the glass box sort of English, not English, but French sort of long sort of greenhouse, you know. He wants to have sort of specimeny things that are sort of different from what every other place will have. So uh, he doesn't have your sort of regular geraniums. He has like pelargoniums or weird leaf geraniums that have a rough leaf to them and all kinds and of a different single things. Camellia, and which a single is camellia, not a
2: nice fluffy, um, uh, you know uh, – multi camellia, a single camellia. How's your doing?
1: Mine's doing pretty well. Um, they didn't like it in the house. I try and bring these things in the house for a little bit to enjoy them when they're in flower. It seems to be a little finicky that yeah, camellia. Yeah, I'll I mean, show.
2: I will show you mine, and I may hopefully get some advice about it. So your book was published, and you have worked. I think. Uh, harder than most authors to promote and to take that book all over the country. And people love, they have responded so favorably to, uh, to how you do it. Uh, you give talks at garden clubs, you give talks at antique shows, and then you sell your book. Um, and it's been a very, very successful uh, book launch. Yeah. So when's your second book going to come out?
1: Well, we haven't started working on the second book, but I'm going to soon. I think I'm going to do a book on entertaining will be the next one and breaking it down and showing all the different parts of it, which this one breaks down things from gardening, things with animals. It's sort of a broad scope sort of book. Um, I want to impart in the reader different things that you can take away from it and do yourself.
3: Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. So let's talk about our livestock
2: interest. Um, You have the most beautiful, fluffy uh, Sebastopol
1: geese. Thanks to you, because in COVID you came over and you brought me eight goose eggs, and (laughs) I didn't really want geese. Geese are loud. They go
0: dirty, dirty,
1: smelly. But, you know, when Martha gives you something, you smile and say, thank you very much. You know, I have good manners. And I thought that I would hatch these because I'm a hatchaholic and I love to hatch all kinds of little babies and raise them and um, find homes for them. So I hatched these geese and when they were big enough to walk outside of the house, they followed us around like we were their mothers and we gave them names like Joan Rivers and Pat Olschel and Caroline Rome and Bill Blass and they were really fun. <laughs> Did you ever really, have a Martha? You never had a We Martha. have a Martha Peacock. It's oh, okay, is that's pe- Yeah. So there's a I'd you, you, be you got a me going on peacocks as well too. That was another hole that you led me down. And you know, four peacocks have now led to like twelve peacocks. And have you seen you my know, blues
2: brothers? How beautiful so they are! Beautiful, aren't they so amazing? Beautiful. They're so fat and. Yeah.
1: Oh you Everybody know what it goes on about how loud they are and how obnoxious they are and they're not already. These guys, have, little, these, these guys haven't
2: made a noise uh-huh. since the massacre. We had a we had a coyote massacre of some of my nicest peacocks. But since the massacre, these guys are so quiet. I don't I haven't heard them make any noise. I try to talk to them and they're not talking back. The geese talk back, mm-hmm. but the, these guys do not talk back to me. So um So you have you have geese, uh, and those geese are beautiful because they're so fluffy and white. They go into your pond, they go into your swimming pool. Uh, They follow us around, and
1: just really are really 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 fun.
2: It's really they're more like
1: labradors than they are like geese. I think you know if you spend enough time with them and bond with them, they can be your friends, and they can be really like a nice. You know the the chickens and the peacocks. I haven't spent enough time with, so we haven't really got that bond. It's whatever you invest in, you can see your return from, and that's the, the. a nice thing about what I've done with the geese. And your interest in cooking, when did that start? <laughs> It started when my mom was pregnant. She had a set of twins when I was 14 years old and I was hungry. So I like learned to (laughs) cook for for myself and for her and for anybody who was around. And um, it's something that I love to do. I love to share and to bring a table together and have people like you over. And sometimes that can be a little bit scary, but I know that I burned the chicken for you and you've enjoyed it just the same, you know. Didn't taste burned. (laughs) Look burned, but it didn't taste burned. (laughs) You know, I just think that you gotta entertain and, and bring people, you know, offer them something and you never know, all of us want the phone to ring, but you gotta make some phone calls in order to get that to happen and, and sort of make your life be what it is.
2: And you also like to travel.
1: Love to travel.
2: Yeah. Where's your favorite places to go?
1: Um, we're going to go to Nashville to the antique show to see the chicken coops that you and I oh, designed. Yes. Oh, That's yes. going so to be happening somehow, next week.
2: Somehow, Christopher FitzMiller uh, lured me into yet another project um, and asked me to design a simple chicken coop that would be auctioned off at the Nashville antique show. Um, I didn't really. Pay attention, except that I, you know, I drew a I drew a model of it for you, and and then all of a sudden it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a big deal it was. Tractor Supply is paying for the construction; they're sponsoring the whole show. I love Tractor Supply. Um, Hal Lawton is an old friend of mine from Home Depot, mm-hmm. so uh, so it was kind of weird that this whole thing came together. So Christopher, of course, uh, designs a, um, a sort of a Greek Revival, Greek revival chicken coop. And I designed a typical Martha uh, simple uh, farmhouse-looking chicken coop with a lovely cupola. And they haven't sourced the finial yet. They, they said they would get a local finial down there, copper. But they're going to be nice, and they're being auctioned off um, for charity at the Nashville Antiques Fair. But everybody's going down there, Stephen Gambrell. Yeah, it's just, a good show. It's he really just told good. me he's flying it's down. It's good for
1: home stuff. It's good for garden stuff. And there's something you can buy there for $20 or $200 or and 2000 And plants, too. They have beautiful they have plants. plants. They have everything. So
2: if you're planning oh. to go to the Nashville show, always take a truck with you because you <laughs> they always have shippers, find so you things. can send things yeah. back with the shippers. Last year, I, last year, I bought some beautiful iron chairs, and I bought some plants, which I brought home with me. And um, it was a great show. So, um, and and it's been going for how long? How many years? I
1: think it's been going for about 25 or 30 years. You know, Albert started that show, Albert Hadley started it, and it has had great momentum building around it. And they do a very good job of getting speakers in there and, and educating people. And it's just a fun experience. And my friends from Alabama and all over the South come to it, and it's a great, great time. And it happens in early February every year when none of us really have very much going on. Right. So I really look forward to it and and rarely come home without something, so. Oh,
2: yeah. well, good. So, um... It's been so nice talking to you, Christopher. As we always talk, we just got back last weekend from the uh, northeastern poultry. We uh, love going to the poultry Congress, show every year. Yes. <laughs> every year we get
1: up and we go very early in and, the morning. And
2: and the chickens I got are very happy. Are they happy yeah, out yeah, there? They're, they're happy. I've, I've isolated them with with other like chickens so that they're they're pretty happy, uh, getting very well fed and getting fatter every single day. Um, but it's um, but it's fun to spend time with you. It's fun to talk to you about all of this. And now that I've seen. Your lamp studio—it it really, really impresses me. That that uh, that the quality of your pottery. Um, I just want to tell you this from from Kevin Sharkey. He he's going to be so happy with this podcast because Kevin Sharkey said, "You know, Christopher's always talking about other things. He's never really
1: talking." I don't about- do a really good job of promoting the, my business, and I should do a better job yeah, of that. I you know, think- I am, I'm more into like showing people how to. Grow a uh, auricula or something bizarre like that, which yeah. is not on everybody's How are thing. your auriculas? They're in sleep. They're in, in dormitory uh-huh. now. We'll bring them in soon and we'll start to fertilize them and you start to feed them now and warm them up and then they'll start to flower in the spring and divide them. You know, I sort of like look at my business as sort of like the vehicle that pays for everything. Like they pay for the, the auriculas it's, and the it's bulbs a, and, it's a very and everything good thing else. To have. But I need to be a little bit better about the, <laughs> the business that I'm going to take oh. over our business, Instagram, and push it but mar- when
2: i when i saw your um, lamps i thought about the lamps uh, i i also designed a whole line of beautiful lamps but also chandeliers and i was remembering my kitchen green Uh, like a Fire King chandelier that I designed and Mm -hmm. looks like a Venetian glass chandelier. And I gave one to Gail Towie. I gave her the, the inspirational one that was the antique. And I saw it in her house the other night and I thought, Oh, I have to go back to designing chandeliers (laughs) because people need chandeliers. Anyway, uh, I digress. It's been so great to talk to you. Um, And you are inspirational. You are uh, so encouraging to so many other people. Uh, keep that up, because I think people look to you for not only advice, but they also look for for inspiration. And thank you. Uh,
1: That's been the great part of listening to your podcast is listening to your friends like Charlotte, Beers, and Dennis, and imparting some of their. Knowledge and their wisdom yes. out there, and, and having people take away something. Right. Listen to That's Alan Grooveen too. I listen concept. to Alan. Alan, yeah, is very the, good. the
2: legal advice. He's so smart. It's a very
1: diverse group of people yeah. that you have. Alan Grooveen has that.
2: never written a thank you note in his life. I got one yesterday because <laughs> so many people have called him to tell him how great he sounded. Isn't that nice? That is good. So, uh, so it's very fun to be doing this podcast, talking to good friends, old friends, and interesting friends. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.